0: Hey, we're live, and welcome to the next Tari's Adventures, episode 5. We're talking the guard today, and we have a very special guest, one of my all-time favorite rules writers, Mr. Rick Priestley. Say hello, Rick.
1: Hello, Rick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and Tim Bancroft, as well. Hi, guys. Sergey and Kevin, the tabletop warlords.
2: What's up,
0: guys? And for some reason, not yet because <laughs> five boxes would look weird
3: <laughs> I'm the filler <laughs> <laughs>
0: now Jay represents the brand new player Atari, to uh, give us his questions that he you know I mean he's brand new to this he doesn't know you know a, a lot about the, the the background and things like that and that's why i like having him on and getting him into this game because he's brand new and on this podcast so he can ask those questions that people are wondering so we already got people commenting ruben says hello from lincoln uk what's
2: up ruben How hello ruben. ruben is the man
0: and more i can't say his name more Zimis says this will be nice to watch during the long bus trip it would be He's absolutely right.
1: So that's really uh, going. That's really getting out of the way, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. go, <laughs> go on a long bus trip specifically to listen to us. <laughs>
0: well, today we're talking Gar, and as usual, uh, I'd like to start it off with either Rick or and Tim. You both, you know, either one, either one of you guys, tell us about the Gar. Who are the Gar? Give us kind of an intro, and then we'll lead off from there. Shall I? Uh, well, uh,
4: did you want to start?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think Tim is our resident GAR expert, really. Uh, (laughs) When I I, I came up with the GAR as part of the um, Antares project, and I sort of envisaged them as being these um, uh, rather small, degenerate little creatures that actually fought inside war machines. So they they don't really, I would never imagined them originally as as having sort of much independent um, action on the battlefield. Um, but uh, being these war machines, but they grew in the telling as, uh, uh, as the uh, as the story goes, and they, they acquired a life of their own. Uh, and um, uh, and Tim rather picked up on them and uh, has used them a lot in uh, some of his uh, supplements. So what Gar have now become is is, is a little bit more uh, like one of the prime movers in the Antorian uh, uh, story.
4: Fleshed out, isn't it? It
1: Fleshed out, yeah. So I should so I think I should let Tim take up the story there.
2: Uh Tim, before you do, uh we have an echo going on.
0: I don't think I've heard
2: is it just is it just in my headphones? I think it's It's just just in your your head. Hmm. It's
0: okay. The (laughs) guy hallucinating again. It's that disruptor dice. You shouldn't
4: draw it. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. I think it's just um what can we say? Here we go. Here is one of those war machines Gar was that the guy used that uh, you have to excuse my hands, they, they uh, can get a little bit Oops, there we go. That's one of the war machines in that is a Gar who is a very very small person. You can see them here in one of their other war machines and they are actually Chimeras. They were Uh, It says here that the GAR did not evolve naturally. They were genetically engineered using a limited selection of segments of human pattern um, haplotype. Rick really studied the uh, genetics here. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) Together with numerous artificially constructed elements. And that almost certainly also includes... I don't know if you can hear me, see me still, guys. Yes, we Um, can. Good. But it still includes all the things to do with uh, combat and conflict, uh, obedience, um, tactical uh, imagination. So they're not stupid tactically, as well as basic things to do with mechanics and engineering. They, When they were created, though, is a bit of a mystery, probably sometime during the first stage, which is probably around about 30,000 years ago that we just don't know because of the nature of Antares time. Uh, but what they were bred with or was bred into them was the whole thing about killing human beings. They were bred by the looks of things to be uh, part of or key components of a war against human beings. And it looks like that their makers have now died off. But they have continued with their prime... Um, I don't know. I suppose it's an inbred. Would you say it's an
1: yeah inbred? It's inbred. It is. inbred, isn't it? It's because they're they're yeah. like an, an army without a uh, any kind of direction
4: anymore. So, they,
1: so they only to exist to fight. Yeah,
4: to kill humans, and that's it. Um, and that that leads to all sorts of problems because they've come out now into the seventh age, where technology really has moved on a lot. So you've got the MTELs. Uh, So there was a hyper-intelligent nanosphere. You've got the new Who's. And you've also got the new space drives, which the Isauris invented during the uh, downtime between the 6th and the 7th age. So they're now really struggling with fulfilling their purpose. And that has eventually led to them trying to breed... Better gar. I should to say hatch better garbs. They don't breed. They are, um, they cloned, are. I don't know. They're cloned and they're dumped into vats. Basically, they're breeding hatcheries. So there are thousands of them bred at the same time in a hatchery. Uh, a bit like, as we were saying earlier, Brave New World, where you have a few of the alphas. In this case, the alphas would be the high commanders and supreme commanders. You'd have a few more of the beaters, and they would be the battle troopers. You'd have a few more of the gammas, and they would be the mechanics and the engineers. And then you'd have all the gar below them, who are just the people who, you know, look after waste systems, recycle metal, and that sort of stuff. So they've got a very, very strongly hierarchical society. And Uh, all the
0: gar at the bottom end... Go ahead. Sorry. Go on. I, didn't, I thought you yeah. Hidge,
4: uh Didge says human and what else? Amphibian, simian. I would imagine that it's a real mix of uh, it's a real chimeric. They've they've got huge chimeric qualities, but there's also some purely artificially created strands of DNA in there as well. So, so that's it. So they they're bred. They're cloned in hatcheries rather than actual bread, depending on which hatchery they go to and which nutrients put into the fluid and who was used as the uh, template for the cloning depends on what sort of gar comes out at the end. And their attempts to improve themselves have come up with the uh, horribly dysfunctional hatchery 1242, uh, which is an attempt by them to breed gars who gar who are better leaders than average who could lead the gar into a new offensive against the horrendous humans
1: yeah the the great problem is imagination isn't it because yes. gars, imagination was bred out of gar at a very early stage it being an unnecessary element in a soldier definitely not wanted yeah. um, but uh, they've discovered that um, in in trying to um, in trying to breed a more sophisticated commander gar they've introduced that tiny strand of imagination into their gene line which is a dangerous and unwelcome quality in anyone and uh, particularly in gar
4: <laughs> i think we yeah, have so a question that, for rick 1240 in that 1240 The Degas
1: so laugh. Yeah, I imagine yeah. they do. <laughs> yes. They probably enjoy knock-knock jokes. I, I, I can imagine it uh, being, being a heavy feature of the long winter nights. What do you do?
4: Knock-knock who's there. A human. Boom.
1: Boom. Yes. <laughs> exactly <so. I'm> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's, that's the terrible thing, isn't it? So with the uh, uh, Gar developing a streak of imagination, uh, there's the some Gar who've just thought, wait a minute, things could be different. Mm. Things could be different. Oh, another terrible, terrible thing to think. Uh, and this has led to um, a whole strain of Gar rebels. who mm. have dared to be different.
4: Yes, with, I think in this program, did you want to focus on Gar empire or, and do Gar rebels at a different time? oh, we can do both if you like. It's, yeah, I think at like... the moment it's very difficult to separate them all out because yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the rebels arose because of this imagination Rick's been talking about, all these mm-hmm. changes to the DNA. And then you've got the outcasts who are a splits from both of those who have been thrown out by the renegade Gar High Commander, Karg, who's a, a bit of a, a a nasty example of this 1240 batch, Uh, And his fellow broodmate, uh, Fartok, split off saying, no, we're the proper gar and we can do it better. But then Carl keeps throwing people out who don't agree with him. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of something, actually. (laughs) I don't know what that reminds me of. (laughs)
2: Um, Beautiful. Oh, yeah, it was one of my favorite models. It's definitely the most ridiculous model in all of Entire Space, which is why I like it so much. (laughs)
4: yeah the um the gar is that fartok sorry i can't that's a can't
1: yeah, co- yeah with it with his slave entourage mm-hmm. yeah.
4: Oh, yeah 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 i can see that's the one yes um so Karg's trying to be a uh I don't know what he's trying to be there. He's trying to be, to come across as a really important human um, dominating person, except of course he's...
1: Well, he has ambitions to be the supreme commander, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, he, which, is, which is another thing. Gar are not supposed to be individually ambitious. They're supposed to be, they're, they're supposed to subsume their personalities in order to serve Gar. Uh, but Cog, uh, K- being one of these champions <clears> of <throat> imagination and no moral compass, uh, has, has become this kind of self-serving GAR commander.
4: Yeah. And his actions are, because he's got the ear of the supreme commander, uh, his actions are now causing the empire to split up in some ways, you should say. So it's, uh, oh, it's bit, yeah, but oh, we're still on Sergey.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know what to do." <laughs> Did you see my so, discomfort rising? Like, <laughs> the anxiety,
3: it was so, 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 another... so I've got a quick question. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Um, the... It sounds like the Gar are, as a whole, a, a less intelligent. Species than say the Concord. They're more f- from another IP. They're more orcish than they are human when it comes to intelligence level. Yeah, it's I, like I, kind of a Hulk Smash type of. Arg, arg. I mean, they're smart enough to do space travel, but they're and crap together to
1: you know get out there and hope they don't get blown out a door. Yeah, they, they don't um, learn in the same way as uh, yeah. as people do. They've, they've got they've got a lot of innate understanding, but um, they're not open-minded. So it's a different yeah. sort of intelligence, really.
4: It is. It's it's it goes on a different route, and it and it's that's that's why, in some ways, they they actually can maintain their own equipment and build their own equipment really quite well. But um, when it comes to doing anything new,
3: they're not um, very they, adaptable.
4: They they struggle, yeah. So they try to. Some of the models, for example, uh, like the um, like this little creeper. I don't know if you can see that, but yeah, that's sweet is a is a bit of a bit of a cludge of a an Algorin. Oh yeah, um, oh, I never
2: noticed that. That's cool. <laughs> creeper,
4: yeah. uh, an Algorin skimmer, and a whole bunch of gar parts um they they regard all other technology as beyond the pale anyway but because physically
1: sickening isn't
4: it yes physically (laughs) sickening and humans are physically sickening to them as well so it's it's it it makes life quite different different it's it's not like we can look at um somebody we don't like and think okay well they're shooting at me i've got to shoot back they'll just look at a human and without thinking about it just shoot and then think (laughs) oh the guy didn't have a gun uh (laughs) but it doesn't matter because it was it was human it's it's it i think intelligence as rick said it is is very difficult <laughs> judging them by human strands of or human standards of intelligence it's more so, like yeah. a base cunning <laughs> <laughs> yeah base cunning probably is one way to look at it uh, tactical awareness is superb i think um given given their tools uh, but they just run forward using their suits uh, or put the gar in their suits, plug them in and just send them in. And their suits are really tough. I think you classed them as armoured cars, didn't
1: you really, Rick? Yeah, when I started, I was was thinking in terms of armoured cars. They they ended up in the starter set. Um, Mm. It wasn't the original intention. It was just that they were the first plastic set that got made. Yeah. Um, so, So, um uh, they ended up in the starter set. Uh, the, the original idea was that we would have um, uh, Concord uh, and Isaurians in the starter set. Mm. But um, the weapon was making the Isaurians didn't make them fast enough. Uh, and it, it didn't quite work out. So we, we were sort of pushed into that one. But, yeah. On I'm
0: glad you did. Because yeah. Yeah. what made me fall in love with this game.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Lovely.
5: It's the guard. It's, it's almost like
6: a happy accident because really the mechanics of the Gar, it was really interesting because like when me and Sergey first started playing, I liked the Concord, and when I told him there was giant robot crab claw suits, he immediately wanted the Gar. Yeah. And <laughs> when you're learning in Tarez, the rule set is definitely complex, and I think that it was like the Gar's mechanics. Because right off the get, I was like, these guys are impossible to destroy. I was so frustrated.
4: <laughs> yeah.
6: It really, you know, helped organically for us to look into the mechanics of the guard. And then by learning how to counteract, like fighting them, it really, it really teaches you a lot of the base elements of the game in a,
1: in a quick it's, way. It's a little bit of a hurdle though, isn't it? As you say, you know, when yeah. you first stop playing, you definitely look at these and go, well, I don't see how I can beat them.
6: Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll, and I'll never forget uh, when Sergey literally scooped my army out like an ice cream cone with just <laughs> with just the Gar Command crawler. It's literally like trundling around like, <laughs> like, my killing every unit. All my guys are just like, <laughs> <laughs> terrible.
2: yeah. It's a it's a really good uh, tutorial box. Like, so it, part of like video game design is you want people to encounter an obstacle that they can only defeat using a mechanic that they need to learn and yeah. the only way to beat gar is by pinning gar out so having a starter set that has a uh, an army that can split fire which creates two pins a turn versus an army that crumbles to two pins a turn being placed on them is a really good way to teach players the importance of pinning in Antares. That's kind of how we discovered it. We were just trying to kill each yeah. other. And then all of a sudden the, the paradigm shifted when Kevin was like, Oh, I can split fire and put three <laughs> yeah. pins a turn on your car. And now I win every time it was a good, it was yeah. a really good yeah. teaching. moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah. Excellent. Yes, well, we
4: it can be. It's that whole the um it is often the thing people say, Oh how do I beat Gar in the core box? And then other people say, What you need to do is this, and then you get the Gar player saying, How do I beat the Concord? In the <laughs> box? That, was ex-
2: that was exactly me.
6: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went right to Saurian. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I think I think with some things, some things like the command crawler um were a uh, were were a lesson for us because the command crawler was almost impossible to kill. Yes. Because he had uh, the original leader rule, which meant he could re-roll all fails, mm. um, and th- that meant that all of a sudden the chance of inflicting anything on him went from one in a hundred to something like one in a thousand, which wasn't. Um, yeah, Kevin much, literally
2: never killed fun. my command crawler before the uh, rules changed.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We can, we can, uh, we, we can bet. But um, that's, but that's one of the things we've changed, and our vehicles don't get that. What they do is. Um, get a uh, effectively they get a reroll on the damage chart itself uh, and then they can choose the one they actually want but that's so that that helps make something like the command crawler less effective I suppose you could say but it's still a hell of a beast because you can actually do all sorts of things with it uh, by using its command um, capabilities and its follow capabilities and you can get things like the command crawler. One of the combos which I think John Harrington really likes with his guard is a command crawler really close to a um a uh, one of these things. Who's no. uh, <laughs> my
2: favorite vehicle yeah. in Antares. <laughs> yeah, which,
4: which is the heavy heavy bombardment crawler. Uh so he has one of the, um, the command crawlers with the heavy bombardment crawlers, and he has a uh, munition scutter alongside it as well. Oh, so oh. all of a sudden, you get the, get the command crawler uh, shooting at you with its scour cannon. Then you get the bombardment crawler launching its heavy bombardment uh, disruptor bombard against you, and its disruptor cannon going on, and the munition scutter with its stuff. And then you get the bombardment crawler promptly launching another... Uh, salvo uh, of its uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. heavy uh, bombardment, and you have got a whole bunch of really nasty um, trouble coming your way uh, with just that first dice pulled out from the gar.
1: Mm. I can imagine. Long, long range too.
4: Yep. Yeah, very long range. Yeah, and potentially that. with a fire order shooting at different targets. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah, I can imagine him in that crawler going, <laughs> take that. <laughs> 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 You you have to you have to learn to deal with it. But it's, again, it's another thing. It, it's the whole thing about um Antares is that there are ways of dealing with stuff, and that's fine. You know, it's there. There are ways of dealing with the command crawler, which is to make it upset. You know, start pinning on it. Don't give it a free line of fire to somewhere, uh, so you force the the two machines to move.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So, you know, and, and once you start doing that, which is really what. Antares is about. Um, yeah. they start having to work hard.
1: Yeah, that, that's a lot of points in a very small place, isn't it? You, mm-hmm. you,
4: oh, you, huge! Yeah,
1: you, you really, you put you put a lot of your army in one space like that, and you're actually quite vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, potentially.
4: Um, yeah. If if you're trying to take objectives, a whole bunch of objectives, for example, it becomes a very difficult yeah. uh, army to use because you have to destroy all your enemy uh because otherwise you won't win Mm -hmm. whereas your opponent of course is going to try and hide all the time and make life difficult for you and they will almost certainly get some of those objectives if you see what i mean yeah so it's it swings and roundabouts
1: yeah it is isn't it i can see it working i can see it working in lots of situations
4: i should have to get one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's the whole point, isn't it? it? It's it's a a case of the the rules coming together to actually make something much more complex, mm-hmm. uh, uh, even though fundamentally it's it seems straightforward. Also,
2: yeah. interesting to note that the Gar, the only people who can get good uh, aggressive armor thirteen vehicles at seven hundred and fifty points which is a pretty interesting Mm -hmm. mechanic because while you are spent, like if you're getting a command crawler at 750 points, there's a big chunk of armor or a big chunk of points. Not a lot of people are taking like a battery of mag cannons at 750 Mm -hmm. points. So you don't have to worry too much about all the vehicle hate that you would see at 1,000, 1,250.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh, No, no you don't. But you find what we found is that... um, during the tournaments and that sort of stuff people start taking along armor killing stuff mm-hmm. even at 750 or even quite young uh, some of you may know dave richardson of course he loves his mag cannon because even when it's not used against people like gar which is where it's best there or other vehicles other transports it can be used as a sniper against almost any other units to inflict really? mm-hmm. a pin and almost certainly a casualty uh, but against things like gar suits it's fantastic but i find that um there's another one of our other guys ant charman he loves to take a concord he's a concord player a solid concord player he loves to take a d2 drone give it a plasma cannon uh, and a batter shield and a spotter and then hide it in the woods now because it's not large that means it is really well protected it's hiding in woods it's got a really boosted res, and he just uses it to snipe down gar suits, which have got res 12. Yep. Uh, so when you've got a plasma plasma cannon firing against res 12 stuff, it takes it down to res 6, which starts making life difficult for the gar.
2: Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I like so much about uh, the list-building processes in, in Antares is there are... There are so many different threats that you have to take into consideration when you're making a list, particularly for like a tournament setting where you don't know your opponent. If your army does not have an answer to Gar, you will not do well. If your army does not have an answer to Gar Rebels, you will not do well. At like kind of the two extreme ends of the 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 elites versus fodder spectrum. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so it, it, when you're building a list, you 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 cannot. You cannot build an anti-Gar list because then you'll lose to everybody else, and you cannot build an anti-infantry list because then you'll lose to Gar. So it forces you to to build very balanced catch-all lists, which is I, I think really fun and interesting as a as a list builder.
0: <laughs> well, will we see any Gar rules? Or- background changes, and the second edition is Ruben's question. Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) That's why he asked the
3: question, Matt. uh, And is it just me, or is Tim gone sideways?
4: Oh, he's sideways.
3: Uh, Okay.
6: Chris, I have no idea what
3: you're talking about. (laughs) Is that better? There There you go.
4: go. Okay, I might have to go upstairs because my phone keeps giving up um i will go upstairs i'll try and join you upstairs all okay. right because my phone is Beautiful. not doing very well i'll leave the showing the things to everybody at the moment okay <laughs> um
1: oh, i'll get a tour of tim's yeah. house look <laughs> yeah isn't that nice this
4: bang, bang go the bookcases but uh you
1: know,
4: we'll uh we'll now move into oh dear You're very very keen on Magnolia, aren't you? you Pale crim. The trouble is, it's such a dark house that we have to have light colours everywhere, otherwise we can't see anything. Which is um, a bit of a disappointment. (laughs) Anyway, so what were we saying? We were were talking about the GAR. Yeah, so at at the core, the GAR have... GAR raunted around battle suits. And all their battle suits are Res-12. They're either equipped with scourer cannons... Or they are equipped with uh, their assault claws. Uh, they're not. They're not quite called cool. the gouger guns the and the, claws. the plasma Gougchi claws. I think. And plasma claws. Yeah. Uh, and the gouger guns and plasma claws are um, effectively close combat weapons, and the rest are. Uh, Long, medium-range weapons, I should say, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's another way, another thing where you can actually destroy the GAR is by engaging them at longer, we- longer ranges than they can actually engage you on. Hold on, a minute. I'm going to transfer now, so I'll leave the studio. <laughs>
0: and we got some more questions here. So, will there be new characters in the future? A new commander, captain, new beast, Rick
1: uh we haven't got any uh planned as yet but um, it's, it's really up to um uh it's up to warlord to find the time to put uh, to put a sign to do some extra design for uh for uh Antares to do that so uh, more often than not what happens is um tim or i will uh, I, I tim works for warlord so uh, uh tim or i will get uh, uh, charged with coming up with something for a new model, rather than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. So often so we have to find it Some, sometimes, you know, there's, we want it they'll say something like, we want to do something new with Freeborn, or, or it could be go or whatever, more likely to be Freeborn, and um, we, we kind of come up with something uh, to suit, but um, we've, uh, the only times we get to do something new in terms of commanders or characters or whatever are where we're uh, d- uh, actually putting a supplement together and then we have to negotiate <laughs> because uh, it, it, there's only so much design time yeah uh so uh, you know if you want to if you want a uh, a big spangly character then uh, it'll take a bit longer and and so on and so so sometimes it's um, uh you know it, we don't always get what we want. Uh, but it uh, uh, so there's nothing on the table at the moment. Excellent.
3: You always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, sometimes you just don't get it either. Which is, uh, <laughs> that's a bit annoying, really.
0: Smoot asks, is there an answer to Rebel Gar really, though?
1: Is there an answer to Rebel Gar really? <clears throat> um, strike value. <laughs> they, uh, okay. they were really good.
2: <laughs> Although oh, they okay. nerfed, they nerfed the uh, the ability to take the weapons teams. Or I, I shouldn't say they. You guys nerfed the. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, you're in the room. Probably they are <laughs> yeah. they uh, them. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh but so you can't take the weapons team without the uh without the squad anymore which was i think the crux of what made them so incredibly powerful on the field they also nerfed the uh uh the creepers so you can't take a squad of three with mag cannons which is a a pretty berserk unit um (laughs) (laughs) so i I think they're on a much more balanced level than they were granted i don't have a ton of experience playing with them um but yeah, I, th- I think they're more on the level. They also buffed some other stuff, like they buffed uh, Gar Empire's claws and and their melee capability, which uh, I-, I thought was a really good change. I
0: like the uh, the ability of they could possibly blow up on themselves. <laughs> I,
2: like, yeah. I, that has screwed me out of so many damn games.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's the idea with the is that they're um they're dirt, they're old fashioned dirty technology. So mm-hmm. it's almost the antithesis of the Concord, where everything's very very sweet, you know, and the the average starship uses the same amount of uh, power as a hairdryer. Uh, but the gar is completely the opposite. It's like they've got nuclear power stations on their backs and don't care. Uh,
4: yeah, so there's, a there's, a there's a radiation link coming from your suit. Well, all the better to kill you then. Yes, it keeps you nice <laughs> yeah. and warm, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have to have heaters inside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nor lights because I glow
1: naturally.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the gar quote
4: ever right <laughs> It I keeps
5: well. you warm, doesn't it?
6: <laughs> oh, Sorry.
5: <laughs> the Distortion
6: technology. They it says in the fiction that battlefields can be like affected by the distortion technology, and yeah. I always, I always, I, I really want to make at some point Gar distortion themed terrain. And so, when you say affect the battlefield, what, 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 the, what was in your imagination?
1: Uh, well, you, you, you've got like. Sp- uh the potential to have spatial distorting areas so an area which can uh which can shrink or expand or, or, or just collapse in on itself taking everything with it um not sure how you do that actually on the tabletop it would be quite difficult <laughs> you get uh, those oh
2: well. you get those dinosaur sponges that you drop in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just like
1: it sucks up like a cat's <laughs> bottom that's <laughs> you
4: know, but that's why the that's why you get the distort dice though. That's that's there to represent yeah. that distortion roiling around the battlefield, and actually causing some chaos to a unit, so it dives to the ground to let this distortion roll around it and get out of the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course it's it's a time distortion as well, isn't it? You can almost look at little, almost like f- uh, areas of the battlefield that speed up or slow down or whatever. It's it's, it's distorting in that sense as well. And uh, yeah, I thought the distort yeah. dice was a good way of doing that.
4: Yeah, it I think it works really well, but then I it would It's a really
1: cool mechanic. I really liked the Distort Daya. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was the sort of mechanical idea that almost like drove the Gar. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah. That's that's actually what initially uh, attracted me to the Gar.
2: I was uh before playing Antares, uh I was, I played a lot of 40k and I played uh Chaos Demons back before they were uh uh, much more, much more aligned. So it was like a very RNG, like win big or lose kind of army that had like you know winds of magic blown all over the place. Um, so I, I looked at the Gar as like kind of uh, the the equivalent of that, where it was like uh, an army that you had to deal with chaos factors, which I yeah. I, I thought was fun as a transition.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, that yeah. tends to be very me. I think. Um, I, d- I always think that. When you're designing a game, human-style armies tend to be the you, you know, all combined arms piece where um, everything's fairly even, and you can have you can have armies based on troops which are intrinsically more powerful, which they which are, but you have to put in something that balances that. You can't just have things which are more and more powerful. I think Games Workshop operates differently these days. But oh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you can't have stuff that's You can have stuff that's slightly better, elite, but the minute you go better than elite, you have to have a balancing weakness, like Superman. Mm -hmm. You have to have your kryptonite. Mm -hmm. There has to be something that balances it out. And that randomness is something which a lot of... Thoughtful competitive gamers really, really hate.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you pull that in.
4: But that's <laughs> what but it's what, yeah. but it, it's what makes the gas so fun to play. You either win mm-hmm. big or you lose big. Yeah. Um, and but neither you nor your opponent know what's going to happen. Your opponents <laughs> desperately trying to use all the proper tactics against them, and you can just almost do whatever you like. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> <laughs> and then just let the dice roll
1: yeah i think it helps if you think a little bit but, uh, <laughs> but there's a, the, there is a, a chance element you can't necessarily do anything mm-hmm. about yeah you, you can you can kind of allow for these things can't you but you you ultimately if you get lucky or unlucky with the guard yeah you will go one way or the other and you just have to live with that
4: yeah i mean as as you as we were talking about earlier with the guard just exploding if you get lucky hit and the plasma reactor and you fell on a 10 um and effectively you could get a chain reaction as this plasma reactor just explodes and causes all the other reactors potentially to overheat uh and that that works really well but it's and it's a fun moment i mean and who i play sometimes, has, has actually got a huge marker. He's got a huge pin marker <laughs> which he gives you as soon as one of your suits overheats and explodes. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's about oh, five he, inches
1: tall. He gives it to you, does he? He gives it to you. He says, oh no! Use my
4: marker! Use uh, my pin marker! Oh, thank you very much. Yeah.
2: Kevin, do uh, you have the uh, the plasma explosion terrain behind you? Kevin actually made something for this as well. Oh, oh cool. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. An explosion? Yeah, the blue one yeah,
0: on. the, oh, the blue yeah.
2: the blue smoke explosion oh, <laughs> yeah. hey,
4: I think Kevin's do you want to answer some of those other things? Sure. That's some of the other questions. Ruben Ruben asked about are there gonna be background changes, second edition? No, not really any changes. We, but Rick and I have mentioned this before, haven't we, Rick, in terms of <laughs> Antares is just being tidied up more than anything else. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds sorry. like it dropped the
3: uh, setting out of his ring.
4: And then there's there's uh, open signal and mini warm-up talking about any history. Yes, um there is history of the first of six ages and there's quite a lot, and there's some actually in Ooh. the core rule book. But I think Rick's expanded that really quite nicely. That's a really nice plasma explosion there. Oh. <laughs>
1: that's good, isn't it?
4: Wow. It doesn't flicker, but you know. It's really
1: glowing looks. with radioactive goodness. That, that's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> It looks like a
0: uh, (laughs) looks like an irradiated tribble.
5: (laughs) I'll be down down
0: for that. Is that what it looks like when Cookie Monster explodes? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) What else we got here? Uh, uh, Ruben. He's asking, would Gar and Voril ally against Panhumans?
1: I don't think Gar would ally against anyone. With anyone, really, would they? It's not not a gore thing to do.
0: No, it sounds like they
3: wouldn't even ally with themselves if yeah, they, they didn't they, have they, to.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's very they much. May, spe- yeah, yeah, sorry, got him.
4: W- no, I was just I was just gonna say, yeah, they wouldn't ally with themselves, but against Vol, they may ha- sort of like have a a mutual non combat sort of like tacit agreement, but it wouldn't be a treaty or anything else like that.
2: Yeah, would they would they care about the Vorl? Like, if their if their programming is kill all humans, do they even like recognize the Vorl as anything that is something interesting to them?
1: Yeah, we don't really know. Actually, do we? We don't know what the Goa's relationship to the Vorl is. They may be a complete mystery. Mm.
4: Uh, I don't think they've actually contacted the Vorl. Looking at the um, looking at the maps, the. The Gar are actually way away from the Vol. so they may look at the Vol, but they will certainly wouldn't just react to them. They just treat them as something else in the universe, yet another thing. If you see what I mean? So yeah,
1: the Gar have been around a long time as of, as, ha- as have Vol, in terms of the ages of Antares. So you know, who knows? In the past, there might have been some relationship. Yeah, uh, but we haven't we haven't done that. We haven't explored that at all.
0: Well, there's one part of the guard that I absolutely love, and it's the reason why I take a whole bunch of outcasts if I can, and that is if they fail in battle, they say, "Here, here's a crappy gun. Go (laughs) run and die."
1: (laughs) Plus, if you're lucky, if if you're unlucky, you just get sent to the recycle and turned into food. (laughs) <laughs> and
0: that's 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 exactly what i do with them on the battlefield i just use them as distraction and they die very quickly well ate them. <laughs> it is
4: deceptive
0: because we
6: had a battle i don't think we i don't think we filmed it sir i think it was no that a, was
2: just a for fun battle which we never do ever
6: it's always on film but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but oh my god his gar outcast just kept encroaching on a position of a few strike squads of concord and man once those guys are at close range Mm-hmm. Ooh, they were just i mean it was i mean almost <laughs> 10 dice coming at me so it definitely mm-hmm. be quantity over quality and that won the day
2: yeah they do a lot of, they are very punchy like they have horrible armor and they have horrible leadership but if you get them within 30 inches of somebody and actually get like a salvo of fire off they can kill a lot of dudes yeah they, they oh, just, yeah
0: they remind me of goblins
2: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, gr- gr- Grotz or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
0: so are they
3: more shooty or are they more
2: uh, Definitely fisty? They They're well, more shooty. crappy they, shooty.
3: They, <laughs> uh, they wear t shirts. So,
5: <laughs>
2: for for armor. you, AJ,
3: Oh, I was about to say, hey, I'm wearing a t shirt. What
6: do you mean? <laughs> the, the distortion technology. So, the GAR have access, a lot of the GAR their weapons have many different firing modes. And the one that is Sergei's favorite because it is incredibly effective is is most of their units have some form of like a distortion bomb. And whereas normally attacks just add a single pin, all distortion weapons add two pins. So it's not necessarily that they're shooty, like Sergei said, like the accurate sense, it's more of like the, I have an arm full of radioactive bombs and I'm gonna set it to 11.
2: Yeah, right. yeah, they're they're a very pin oriented army. Like when you're when you're trying to win with Gar, more often like you're never gonna kill a tank, but you are gonna pin out a tank in like one turn if you have a bunch of plasma amped Gar shooting yeah. bombs at them. Uh, so they they kind of circumvent armor and other things. They're like a sidewinder kind of kind of army mm-hmm. with how they, with how they kill things.
0: Excellent, cool. And Ruben says, ah, plasma <laughs> explosion.
4: Well, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's, so it's worth, I don't know if you want, we can go on about the history and the background and all the rest of it. But the other units are, as you said, you've, you've we've, we've briefly mentioned the command crawler and how pokey that is. And it's got two scour cannons. It's got command and follow, and all the rest of it. It can inspire the army, especially if it's got a high commander in it who can look after the outcasts. And then you've got the bombardment caller, which is another big machine, uh, which is uh, mobile artillery. You've also got these little things called scutters. I love yeah. scutters. I don't have any scutters, sorry. <laughs> uh, which which are used for all sorts of different purposes. One of them. Is just to just a personal transport, it's all they're also used for um freight transport if they can, they you can just sling bags over them, or whatever. But they're also used for mi- uh, for munitions, so they can load a bombardment crawler or anybody else who might have run out of uh, munitions. Uh, and that's that's including uh, outcasts who regularly run out of ammunition yes. because they're sometimes not even given any and, uh, <laughs> and the scutters are sort of the back, backbone of the logistics core of the gar, I suppose you could say. Um, and then the other vehicle which you actually have is the grabber, which repairs other uh, gar on the who are lying around, who are knocked out. Uh, so it gives them a few bone a few bonuses for getting over bad terrain or it gives them a few bonuses for repairing themselves and that sort of stuff.
6: It's like a gar gravity gun.
4: Yeah. <laughs> we haven't actually mentioned though the um probably the most popular gar unit who is Tectorists.
2: Oh yeah, my favorite.
4: Tectorists. Yeah. Clarence. Tectorist <laughs> right.
2: extraordinaire. He's our, our fan favorite model.
4: <laughs> yeah, we had um, we had <laughs> We had some issues with Tetris very, very early on because there were they were a last-minute late edition, unfortunately, um, and they, they were classed as infantry probe units, but then people found out you could do all sorts of interesting rules.
0: I remember with. that
1: because I, I was looking it. Which, I, uh, <laughs> which wasn't possible at all, was it, Rick? It was, no. No, it was. Uh, shows you how innovative gamers can be, really. <laughs> <laughs> it does.
2: I uh... I dream of a day where you guys finally release a Tectorist character model that still counts as infantry and can charge.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he'd be with infantry with a screw loose.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you give him like a like a like a, just a pickaxe and let him charge things while he's tecturing them.
4: <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. A, partic- a particularly upset gar. I mean, he'd probably make make very good as uh, <laughs> as a similar one to Nook. 27 exactly yeah. yeah i would run
2: that in every game i ever played <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah the, uh, the tetras are really useful because they act as a mixture of spotters and targeters so they detect enemies and then they send off the information to the gar combat uh, net and everybody's combat array says oh enemy here so they give bonuses to enemy they see within 15 inches Tectorists are very often shot at, more than more than spotters or targets or anything else. Tectorists are targets. If anybody's got a spare gun going, they shoot a Tectorist, mm-hmm. because they are just too useful.
2: Well, they're incredibly points effective. If you compare them to like a, a spotter drone, which is 10 points to add to a unit, a Tectorist is just 20 points to add a spotter drone to pretty much every single unit in your army. They're good. Yeah, yeah.
1: because...
4: Basically, they've got sixty-inch-wide bub- bubble, approximately, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do it well. Mm-hmm. So it goes right across the table. So it's pretty good. Um, but of course, they are vulnerable because yeah. you, you know they're still ultimately over only res four. And whilst they're, um, whilst they get roll on that, they're still only res four. Which, <laughs> which <laughs> yes, is if you do manage to shoot them, they uh, and they can't go down, of course. Uh, so if you do manage to shoot them, they are they're out the window. And then you get things like flitters and flitter bombs. Where did how did flitter bombs come into being, Rick?
1: I think it's just someone suggested. Wouldn't it be good if these exploded? So, uh...
3: <laughs> isn't that how all bombs came about? Yes, but they
1: weren't bombs originally. They were just flitters. You see, they, uh, they were they were like a uh, a probe type unit. So, um, yeah. yeah, there you go
4: uh and then we moved into the outcasts which is probably the origin of many warwats question really about uh, about outcasts uh because outcasts just people uh, they're the people who just fell out of favor during our life they did something wrong or they broke a rule or they weren't up to scratch they just get given mm-hmm. a yes gun. they failed <laughs> yeah they failed <laughs> You have to Uh, go into battle and then if you're lucky uh, the uh quartermaster remembers to give them a a couple of clips of ammunition on the way out out the door um so so they're they're great units as sort of like speed bumps but they can really surprise people if as the guy said they they get up close Mm -hmm. Uh, but then, then the next thing I think going on from that, I think you have to move on to the outcast rebels as an army because they are basically outcasts who got gathered together by Fartok, who's one of these twelve forty leaders, these imaginative leaders, and he said, hmm, "Tell you what, we're running short of uh, kitten uh, equipment. Why don't we just use some of the Algorin kit kitten equipment and or Concord kit kitten equipment and merge it into our own use?" Ooh, so the rebels were born that is an outcast slave master yes Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh and the rebels were born and the outcast rebels i don't know if you've got any outcast rebels there you just getting uh Ke- kevin's
2: got some in his background yeah yeah very well okay. painted
4: yeah we oh, let me see if i
2: can't i'm jealous of kevin's gar scheme i like it a lot
6: I made, I wanted them to be super irradiated, so they're green. <laughs> yeah. So we got one with a, a mag gun. So it's the Algren. I'm having a hard time with the opposites here. There we go. Mag gun. We got plasma carbine, fresh from a dead Concorde, no doubt. Actually, that's Algren. Yeah. That's Algren carbine. Yeah. There we go. This one stole from Concorde. The uh Plasma Lance. Yeah. Plasma Lance. The the Blackguard are so cool in that sense too because even more so, freaking micro X launcher, they're armed to the teeth, and that's really cool about them is that they literally have access to like all the different guns and tar in the entire space, which is
1: sweet.
4: Yeah, the I mean they were meant as a horde army, weren't they, Rick?
1: Yeah, uh, because horde they're if uh, 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 if you if, you, if you think about it, the um, the the Gar Empire, the main Gar army, is. Uh, armored cars and really crappy infantry. And um, when we came to do the rebels, the idea was we just take away the armored cars, so you just have lots and lots of crappy infantry. Uh, so it sounds like um, 1930s Spain. Yeah, a bit like that. <laughs> it's a bit like a Russian army in some ways, because uh, you know yeah. I, have a, I have a Russian army for bolt action, and the um, and you, you get the uh, the penal battalions, don't you? Oh uh, yeah. Which are, which are, the can you say
3: that? Can you He's say that on, on live shows?
5: Or being Italian.
1: I'm <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, sure you can. I can't remember the Russian name for them.
4: <laughs> It'll come to me. Yeah.
1: But, yes, yes, the are what you might call the Horde Army. A... Yeah.
4: I mean, these, and that's the – I think that's the background to many warmat's question, which, which was um, there was – There was a way to game the GAR, uh, the Outcast Rebels, so that you could have something like a thousand-point army with something like 16 to 24 dice. Mm -hmm. And um, you could never beat it, because half the dice could be off the table uh, in the form of weapon teams. And the rest, so you could never break the army at all, but the rest was actually a really tough core yeah but uh, but we've as said the we've introduced some rules changes at the games days to say you know that's not the way GAR work work, really. The idea was that for the GAR they'd add a weapons team to a infantry, one of their rubbishy infantry units to actually bolster up that infantry unit at least give it a chance on the battlefield not as a whole bunch of differently operating separate units because I, I think that they'd all feel a little bit exposed
1: yeah i think that's one of those cases where we we were trying to accommodate the way the models were sold mm. in the army lists. yeah because mm. uh, and, uh, and and that's so so we did them as separate entries um and in retrospect you you, you know you you, you face this problem with um, army lists, don't you? Sometimes you you want the army list to work as an army, but at the same time, you want somebody to be able to buy the thing. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a pain. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and I think that, that's where we got caught a bit with that one, or other I did. <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. But the, so, so the idea is now that you can actually run with or try to encourage people to run with slightly larger units. Uh, but you don't get that huge break in order dice. I think, yeah, probably, I think suits the outcasts, uh, suits the Gar mentality a bit better. You know, uh-huh. there are lots of us swarming towards you rather than a few elite specialists, unless those yeah, elite yeah. specialists are in the battle suits. My son took a unit of salt,
0: a unit of uh, uh, regular battle suits, and then the rest were outcasts. He purposely <laughs> made me buy... Three boxes <laughs> of outcasts because he just wanted to run a ton of outcasts. I'm like, oh, love it, no problem, buddy.
5: I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <You> destroyed me. <laughs>
3: you know
5: why?
1: Yeah. But you then have to paint them all as well, don't you? So you know, that's oh, yeah. the thing about these these sort of horde armies, you 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 have to you have to develop a, a fast painting technique. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Well, we yeah. learned how to do that last night. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You know why he destroyed you?
0: Yeah, well, (coughs) why? He has no soul. Yeah. (laughs) My son son played one game with Not Jay, completely destroyed
5: him. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: and ever he says, You have no soul. And he (laughs) he dropped the mic and he's out of here.
5: (laughs) Uh, No,
3: he's
0: a good kid. I like him. I've been, uh, he's been playing. Uh, I think his first experience was Rogue Trader. I think it was because I, right. I pulled out school 40k. Oh yeah, and then we uh, it was seventh edition or something like that. But uh, I've introduced him to every game since he was seven years old. Right. So now he's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. He's like making a a gar list as soon as he got here yesterday. And they're sitting laid out here behind me. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're taking two units of what you're taking two four-man units of battle suits?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not good. Um, that's one of the things, things that's actually really quite nice. Whilst whilst we've got the points values and we've got the lists Mm -hmm. to actually try and give some form of structure and some form of balance to competition games. It's really quite often. I I don't necessarily use the lists. And I, I don't know how much you use the lists as well,
1: Rick. I, I don't. Me, I don't use lists at all. <laughs> <laughs> all points values, as well as as, as we well know. No, I no, I just tend to create scenarios and um, uh, use forces which I think are appropriate for the for the game. Yeah, and I do that and in it, every game. I don't use points values for anything.
4: Yeah, but and it and it works in narrative games, though, and that's one thing yeah, which is really quite
1: sort of games. You can't... I, I mostly play war games against the Perry Twins. You can't get the Perrys to use an army list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they... Uh, you, you ask them to add up points values, you'd be, uh, you'd, you'd be thrown out on your ear. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I haven't used... Uh, I mean, I have to construct points value systems for games that I uh, publish because uh, people expect them.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's the only reason I do them.
0: Well, now Jay um, and I both are very narrative and story-driven um, uh, war gamers, for sure. Yeah. and yeah, I yeah. Cannot, we, we use it as kind of like, if we've never played the game before, we'll take a look at the point list right quick. Sure, But after that, we just take whatever we want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think that's, sure. I think that's fair. If you play with an umpire as well, like a third party, which I, I would normally do in, in my normal gaming routines, usually somebody will put on a game. Mm-hmm. and that person won't necessarily play, or they'll take a very minor role or, third, uh, or a third hand, as it were.
5: Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I'm uh, familiar. <laughs> I yeah, do that all
1: the time. the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it helps along a lot. Yeah, yeah. Kevin used to umpire our Necromunda games all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that way you, you could, the game tells a story, uh, and that becomes way more interesting than the actual rules themselves. The rules ho- sort of hopefully, if you've got them in your head, will disappear. And the mm-hmm. thing becomes a story. And that's uh, much more fun. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah.
6: We, I just did a, a poll on the Intel Facebook group because me and Sergey are working on season two of all of our battle reports. And I just like I'm just just gauging what people generally speaking like. And when I when it was a, a narrative versus mm-hmm. slugfest, it was literally more than two thirds of the people
1: said narratives the way to mm-hmm. be. So Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because when it comes down to um, actual competition or tournament-style gaming, it is the other way around. Uh, and, you know, as a games author, I, you have to kind of straddle both camps to, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and with um, the new edition of Antares that uh, we, we've been we and Tim have been working on, I mean, Tim's done a fantastic job of putting together a whole new set of omnibus, which are a benefit from the experience we've had running um running campaigns and tournaments and competitions uh but uh mm-hmm. it, it's not my it's not my favorite way of playing games uh i can do it if pushed yeah <laughs> uh,
4: but it's and that's reflected in the way the rules are and that's where the guard really fit into it the GAR are yeah. incredibly they're a narrative driven army in itself never mind about anything else um they're on they're on the they're on the table for a particular reason. They've got these really odd battle suits because of a particular reason. They've got these crubby little outcasts because of a particular reason. And there's this constant narrative going behind it. And even though they may have some objectives, every human they kill is actually a sort of like a little flag waver uh, for their opponent. It's, it's very off-putting when they do that, I have to say. <laughs> but... <laughs> but, but
0: my son wanted me to make a, a new red mark on the battle suits for every time they killed one of my Concord. Yes. <laughs> and I
5: okay, said, if you
0: want that, you're going to have to pick it. a brush and do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Kevin?
6: I, I said that that would be sweet. That would be a cool idea.
0: Right? <laughs> right? So every time one kills them, they put a red mark somewhere. you know, And then they end up with, oh, well, you know what? Here, I can show you guys. Hang on. So every red mark on this gar right here, the slashes, okay, mm-hmm. is a, is a kill.
2: Right, the,
1: okay.
0: You see the, see, and when he wise it off, hang on. <laughs> yeah. When he wise it off, <laughs> that's, it. that's another that's kill.
2: So cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he has
0: two, three, four, five, six, seven kills. Oh, wait, there's another one on the back. Oh <laughs> uh, nine, 10, 11. <laughs> <laughs> So, so every time they kill one, they get another red mark, and that was his idea.
2: So. That's awesome.
0: And he picked up a brush. He put it in red paint. He slashed it on there, and he goes,
4: "There you go, dead. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's lovely seeing people do that to their GAR armies, and you can see people invent backgrounds for their GAR armies, invent their force commanders, and for rebels or Empire or exiles. And it's mm-hmm. it, for me, it's it's. It, it, It's a great illustration that the game is working at that narrative level at which it works best.
5: Mm
6: -hmm. It was such a great idea to invent that story behind that batch of
4: leaders and only describe a
6: few because it really just, it opens up Mm for, you know, everybody to invent their own quirky commander with some kind Mm of, you know, human aspect to it that is like, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
6: not what someone else has done. It
1: it it's a it's a key uh, way when you're doing world building that you give a really good example of something, perhaps the one that most people will use, but then you open the door. Mm. So every example is an open door for you to invent something else in. You don't yeah. define it absolutely. You open the door and provide the good example. Uh, uh, and it, it, so you can. It, I did the same thing with Space Marines many years ago.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, you
1: know, there were a thousand yeah. chapters of Space Marines and here are some. <laughs> <laughs> you can invent your own
0: oh yeah even like invent your own gar even the boromites yeah. i don't want to dig into that yeah, yeah. but my, my boromites i i mean they're the cool cats man
5: they have all this, <laughs> the cool cats man i they, forgot about that
2: they
0: have all these beat up machines and and this uh frag borer that i painted last night cool. you know it's all heavily damaged and you know yeah. i mean you can see that on the intel mm-hmm. you know and and they're like, why replace it, man? That's work.
5: Because
6: <laughs> <laughs> this poor might like clicking his fingers, like. <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: and I even have on order yeah. some braids bar- to put on top of these guys, so <laughs> we're, we're going to experiment with some braids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pete says, "Where's Rick?
4: How much? How much? This is. Is here. a question for you, Rick, if that's okay. How much was the um, something like the attack crawler?" driven really by the studio saying we want to do something
1: cool with this rather than a background to the, uh, the um, attack crawler, rebbles. I think uh, it was more a question of how can we make this model work more hard, wasn't it?
4: Okay.
1: Uh, uh, you know, it's like, well, if we do a crawler, can we do a conversion mm. of the crawler, mm. a command crawler, okay. attack crawler? So we had to have something that fitted into that vehicle slot crawler, yeah. but then how can we make iterations of it without, uh, so, so we had sales codes without um, uh, doing an awful lot of work. Right, uh, yeah. So, uh, it tends to be, it, it tends to be it, 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 a bit like that. Uh, and then sometimes what'll happen is it, it, the, the sales guys will will say, well, we, we'd quite like, we think there ought to be another type of vehicle or we, uh, another type of troop type or some elite truck it'll help us to sell such and such and you go really you think so okay and we end up having our arms twisted up our backs and we come up with things that um uh kind of extend the game out a little bit so a lot of it is commercially driven uh but uh you try and do your best with it don't you mm, absolutely. i mean you you and i've both been sort of in that position a few times with the supplements uh, <laughs> i think with the viri in particular i mean do you remember when we talked about the viri uh, yep. initially you and I we got together and I said right well we don't we we know that the studio can only do so much work so we'll create a, a very narrow range of VRI there'll only be like three basic types you know and then when they got the studio halfway through got back to us and said oh we think there ought to be loads more you know <laughs> so <laughs> 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 yes
4: there was only supposed be very very few types of VRI indeed and then all of a sudden they just expanded with loads of different heads yeah Uh, loads of loads of uh, different arms and whatever and don't get me wrong there's the the arms on those Constructivirais and the different so cool. variations they've got on them yeah, are fantastic. Them. Yeah, they're awesome.
1: Yes. Well, it's great having the opportunity to be able to expand an idea, isn't it? Yeah. But nonetheless, it was a bit of a surprise. It
4: was. And um, you then have to go, obviously, go back to the table and
1: do a lot of playtesting to make sure things work. Yeah, right. well, that's the thing. If you conceive of something in one way and then uh, so halfway through, you've got it tested and it works all right. And then somebody comes back and says, yes, but we want more of it. Uh, you, you then you have to kind of like extend the idea out a little bit. And sometimes you don't get the opportunity to um, play test that so thoroughly. Uh, yeah. Such such is life.
4: Um, but the good thing is that the army lists are online now, which is, I think, oh, yeah. a real saving grace and really helpful. Nice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely I, lo- I love the fact that
2: they're updated so often as well. It's nice to have those little. Little balance patches.
4: Yes, and we haven't done much this year, of course, but uh, that's that's because of a um, of, of of a certain little virus, isn't it? Yes, no, we
2: nobody's yeah. done all that much this year. <laughs> yeah. <No.
4: laughs>
2: well, Well,
0: uh, we got 15 people watching. You guys, uh, pop your questions in there for Rick and Tim, and uh, anything Antari. <laughs> this doesn't have to be Gar. We can, you know, we can answer other things okay. as well. Okay.
3: I, I got a question for Rick. Go for it what was the impetus to creating the gates of Antares?
1: yeah uh, it, it's uh, yeah thanks for that uh, the um, thing was i i i really played a lot of science fiction games when i was uh, in my teens late teens and fantasy and the two mixed up quite uh, quite a lot um and when i uh, well, I got out of college, and I, I did a degree in archaeology, so obviously I was unemployable. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, i
1: kind of like, my geography
3: degree. Yeah, <laughs> be like
1: that. Ruben, Re- if he's still there, will we'll understand. He's a he, Ruben's an archaeologist. Um, and um, so I uh, I was sort of stuck for uh, uh, earning a living. So I started earn, uh, I started a sculptor, actually. I started sculpting figures, but uh, eventually that was uh, uh, that failed. So, um, uh, say failed. I made lots of figures, but I didn't make very much money. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, 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 I I basically got a job at um, at uh, Citadel, which was very right on my doorstep actually, and I knew I knew the people there. Um, and very quickly, you know, I got into the old Warhammer thing, and then we developed 40k. Well, having Having done the science fiction version of Warhammer, i.e., forty K, in 1987, we then exploited the bejesus out of that for another 25 years. So I never, <laughs> so I never got another chance to do anything else with science fiction because you, you go, oh, "Let's do another game that isn't forty K." No, <laughs> it was never going to happen, was it? I mean, to some extent, Necromunda uh, was, was was that, but. Um, game ever. Yeah, that was me and yeah. Kevin's.
2: That was that was our love was Necromunda.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> Necromunda is basically a, a wild west game. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. it's, it's a wild western space game really. Yeah. Kubrick. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah well, um uh so when I when I got um uh, when I when I left games with shop, I thought, you know what, um uh, it, wouldn't it be great if I actually got an opportunity to do another uh, to scratch that particular itch that is that science something different with with science fiction and it had to be everything that Warhammer wasn't.
3: Thank God it is yeah. anyway. Well
1: really- I mean I, I mean because because I'd done Warhammer 40k. Yeah I've been through that whole you know it's demons in space it's it's kind of uh it's it's black magic and sorcery is real you know it's kind of it's 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 a, a demon driven gothic universe um uh, and I just didn't want to do anything again. I think if I'd done something like that again, it would have been way, way more successful commercially, but, um, I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It was, uh, it, it, no way I was going to put myself through that particular ringer again. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so, so I, I kind of started rereading a lot of, um, old science fiction, uh, more, more, more technically driven science fiction, and I discovered some new modern uh, authors or ones that i uh, previously missed. And Tim's Tim put me onto a few which I've I've, uh, I've read, um, and it, it, and and I can kind of develop the idea of doing something that was much more of um, a technical, hard hard. I say hard science fiction, but it's not really hard science fiction because I, I don't think the uh, the Antorian sort of interdimensional engine has really got any basis in real physics we we, we try but uh, <laughs> it's more uh, so
4: like a harder space opera yeah yeah
1: i'd say space opera is what it's closest to really but, uh, but
4: with a with a harder edge to it yeah something yeah.
1: more modern edge than the, the classics yeah. of e. doc smith space opera for example mm, oh yeah, uh, yeah
0: i read a lot of Piers anthony and yeah it reminds me of Piers Anthony quite a bit as far as, you know, his science fiction and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
3: As yeah. Well, I, I can directly attribute what I am doing right now to you, Rick. It's your fault.
1: Sorry. Christmas of
3: 1988. My brother uh, asked for and received uh, the road trader book. Uh, box of uh, the RB 01 uh, yeah, Space Marines. Marines and yeah. uh, the three box or, or the three uh, uh, Rhino box um, and uh, just a fist full of lead space pirates. <laughs> and <laughs> that that sent us careening down the gaming pathway. We we dabbled a little. We we you know dipped our foot in uh, earlier than that. But yeah, eighty eight was uh, the watershed moment, and here I am with literally. If if I seriously, if I talked about all of the, if I added everything up, I I, I seriously have probably. Over the last 30 plus years, $25,000 worth of gaming stuff <laughs> that I still have. I, I don't sell anything. I yeah. don't trade anything. I don't give anything away.
5: I,
2: uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you hoard I, it. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. I uh... a unit <laughs> hoarding. <laughs> right.
1: Well, an entire
2: I'll, basement full, and
3: not only is my stuff here, but my brother's stuff is here. This is all those, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll so. tell you,
1: you know, what the last thing I've painted was some Hinchcliffe, holy mackerel, Wag, um, ox carts that I obtained probably 45 years ago and never got around to painting. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I we,
3: we,
0: we, a lot we, of we, here too. Go ahead, we
3: we still have uh, some of those original um, space pirates unpainted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just never got around to it.
1: Yeah, I've got, uh, I've, I've painted a lot of things. Um, so somebody, oh yeah, Mozius uh, was asking if it was true if I couldn't make a science fiction game after leaving Games Workshop uh, uh, for for a year. It was actually a year when I left Games Workshop. I I was um, I I couldn't work commercially. Um, in anything that was comparable or deemed competition for a year, that was um, that was just that was just yes, yeah, so that, that was uh, a part of my contract. So I didn't. Uh, but uh, uh,
0: says, antari seems to be more of Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica kind of feel. True f- sci-fi.
1: Yeah, I say it's true sci-fi. Um, not sure about all those other things. Uh,
0: I find is uh, more sci-fi than Forty K
1: myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it certainly is. I mean, 40 K isn't science fiction. It, it's a, it's really a fan, it, It's really a sort of fantasy in space, or or a sort of grand vision of a fantasy universe. Space fantasy, really.
4: Yeah, it is.
1: Well, it's got yeah, it's because uh, it's got that whole chaos thing going off, uh, which is um, a, a kind of parallel spiritual world. So it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's not, and it's deliberately that you know it was it was. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of works. It's done very well. It's done all right for a game's workshop. They seem to be still flogging it.
3: No, it's <laughs> no. I think it's just a fad.
1: I think, I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't no. see it
3: lasting. Have uh, you seen the share?
1: Have you seen the game's workshop share price? It's ridiculous. Do
5: Sixteen
0: hundred pound gorilla in the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: F. Hamilton, his series of books were very Antarian Concord. So who? Pete, Pete F. F. Hamilton.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know of that uh, author.
0: Man, I love the 80s sci-fi opera vibe.
1: Of Gates. And yeah, well, that's, Pete... not, that's not deliberate. That's just me.
0: <laughs> uh, Pete here has a good question. We understand that games these days are a combination of style, substance, and commercial realities. What interests Rick when it come, when he wants to have a game, and is it the game or setting a theme?
1: Uh, no, it's the people are playing with. It's, uh, it's... I tend to develop games around um, people I know. So, you know, it's, it's the enthusiasms of my friends that tend to um, to fire me up. Because uh, I like designing games. It, it's, it's kind of my thing. So invariably, what will happen is, um, uh, you, you know, if I get invited around to play um, – Uh, uh, a a game of, uh, we're actually in the middle of an American Civil uh, War um, campaign at the moment. We've been in the middle of it since this lockdown started, which is uh, uh, a sort of a recreation of uh, Gettysburg, Uh, uh, the whole sort of Gettysburg campaign. Uh, But uh, that's played with black powder rules. Um, So invariably, I get invited along because that way that people don't have to worry too much about having to learn the black powder rules. <laughs> I go, oh, it, does it work like this, Rick? And I, and I look, and I go, I wish I could remember. Oh, yes, that's how it works.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. why not?
0: I just love it yeah, I exactly. love that black powder series because I'm a huge. It, which, which is funny, you mentioned American Civil War. I'm an ECW yeah. English Civil War fan. I oh, love. Okay. Love the English Civil War, and Pike and Shot's one of my favorite games to play. I've played other ones, but it just doesn't have the mass of miniatures in the other games like Pike and Shot does. Um, just reeling that back to Antares, did you have an original like set amount of figures that you wanted per squad, per se, when you designed the game, or was it like, okay, here's the standard, we just have to follow that, like five oh, guys, move on. Yeah
1: well bear in mind it, Antares uses a lot of the bolt action mechanics yes so um it was a i mean i converted uh, uh, the, the mechanics over to a d10 system so there's a lot of detail changes but the core overview and the way the game plays was based on bolt action mm-hmm. so uh, i uh, what i had in mind was the same sort of size games was we playing with bolt action um which were probably what I'd, i had to know let's they're probably not quite as big as people do play bolt action these days, but uh, let's say 30, 40 figures aside, one or two vehicles, that, that, um, maybe one or two support weapons, of that sort of size. Um, I think invariably what happens is gamers tend to play bigger games than games designers design them for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they want to get all their toys out. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly.
0: That is, that is so true, not Jay. You want you, <laughs> you came over to play Antares for the first time with Todd and uh, your brother. Not not Jay. How many how many armies were on the table?
3: <laughs> we had four armies, and I think they were at least a thousand points each. How big is this table? Oh, it's uh, here. I'll show you. I'll it's uh, like a black powder style size. It's, side it, table. it's Ooh, about oh, thirteen uh, hectares.
0: <laughs> let me get my camera switch to the table here all right as you can see right here uh, if i can move the camera that is the table right there
1: That's a Fair size isn't it
0: this is uh two four by sixes put together so yeah yeah six by eight yeah and then i'm done Nice little fantasy tower I built over
5: here. <laughs> I have
0: some not Stonehenge, Stonehenge here.
5: Oh yeah, uh, quite <laughs> realistic, isn't
0: it? Foam hinge. Oh, I call it Lonehenge actually. Uh, yeah. But a little little sacrificial tower, and it's got these three ladies that I don't want to show up close
1: because <laughs> we, don't and and we don't want to don't frighten folk. Uh, uh,
0: over here, I have a four uh, x four board that I made originally for Test of Honor. Um, but it's got all my English civil war stuff on it right there. And I've got, you know, the ledge where you put your drinks and things so you don't put it on the table, you know? So there you go. That is, that is what I have. And if I can get the camera back where it was, so it doesn't fall over. There we go. All right. Good deal. That is my table, And I, I I originally constructed it for American war of independence until I found out how much it takes to what it takes to paint all of those miniatures. Um, yeah, so I switched to ten mil. It was a lot easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. ten mil is a great so- scale actually for um, those kind of uh, big sweeping battles. Uh, mm. I've got quite a lot of ten mil armies, um, but uh, for uh, for science fiction, I do prefer something a bit bigger.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I do, and I tell you what, I played lots of bolt action on this yeah. table, uh, and I just a little sidebar to the bolt action talk. I added the reactions to bolt action. Oh, okay, Antares. yeah, and I'm gonna tell you, I was like, I had so many people when I started playing bolt action. What I can't react to that, you just shoot at me. And then when I yeah. when I started looking at Antares, I go, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna put these in bolt action. And for large games, it works wonderfully. And, um, smaller games, tight knit, it's it's it does, still does work for bolt action, but I, I don't know, it's something about the D10, yeah, you
1: know.
0: That. Which bolt action was, but
1: <laughs> well, some of the ideas that I used in Antares were ideas that Alessio and I talked about for bolt action, oh, but which right. frightened Alessio <laughs> uh, because Alessio is quite a tight, uh, tight, quite, quite a hmm, that's, uh, he, he's he's a very profound games designer. He, he, he says oh, that rule that's loose, that could give you problems and it will certainly give you developmental problems. Well, I tend to go, yeah, but don't worry about it. It's great fun. And Alessio <laughs> will go, no, competition gamers will exploit this. <laughs> he's, he's quite, he's quite tight. Um, yeah. It, it's not that he's, he doesn't understand the narrative. So I mean, he's, he is very, uh, he, he, he's very talented in all those respects, but he, he will he he'll be careful where I'll be quite rash, <laughs> um, and sometimes, sometimes, sometimes my rash my rash games design. You know, oh, this will be great fun. Yes, I can see this working. It does become exploitable, and uh, Alessio, uh, when, whenever these rules are exposed in bolt and he always refers to them as Rick rules for this Rick very Rick. reason. <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a Rick rule. That is, yeah, it throws me <laughs> under the bus. In other words. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, a lot of the ideas that I put into Antares were those ideas, including the um, uh, y- y- uh, multiple um, uh, uh, multiple order dice uh, sort of concept, um, uh, things like that.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Right, I, and I was like, wow, oh, my gosh, this is the way it should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a fan of Rick Rolls.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's why. It's because it's they don't quite they, – they're a little – it, the other things they tend to throw up situations when you write all the special rules because it's not that you have to write a special rule to accommodate the normal flow of play. you now have to make sure that special rule works with every single possible reaction mm-hmm. and it, it can and it can be um, it can sometimes uh, give you issues oh
0: and I, I just hey, personally the way I like the game is I like those unexpected twists and turns uh, yeah. in a war in game where you talk about it for days. And then nope. a year later, you know, I finally beat the command crawler.
3: Fight <laughs> it. Sir.
0: You know, I mean, you're wrong. Except I haven't,
6: Matt. Thanks for bringing up a sore subject. <laughs> 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 but
5: those
0: great swings in games, even if you lost, you still remember it. And that's what I like about rules like that is, you know, if it gets too static, you're like, oh, well, that was cool. That was neat. You know, those, those, you will remember a, you know, uh, what is it, the plasma nuclear power packs on the back of the VAR battlesuit blowing up? Yeah, it's just
1: blowing up, yes. Who cares? It's just
5: funny.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I like that there's so many narrative campaigns within Taris. Like uh, I think probably me and Kevin's most memorable fights on our on our channel were the, the Raiders of Bronvar, where the entire campaign came down to who pulled the last order die on the last turn of the last game of the campaign. Oh, and I, no. I, I won by, literally, I had to roll, I think I had to roll a four to get out of this situation, or I lost the campaign and I rolled the four. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> 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 I think Kevin lost like four years off of his life with that one die roll. <laughs> uh,
6: my commander was literally like this far away from the commander I had
2: to kill. Like, <laughs> yeah. I ran behind a rock and hid.
1: <laughs> that's, that's balanced. That is.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the uh, is actually like one of the more balanced war games I've played, and I think it's partially because you guys do release rules updates whenever something is yeah. seeming a little broken on the on the stage, and I, I really like that. We, we haven't can... encountered anything that's insane yet.
0: And we have uh, a Tim.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, Tim, Tim is very good at his job.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Everybody should have a Tim.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> one thing always I've noticed. Just, all those, sorry. Did, go on. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rick. No, I was just going to say, when we have any of these, uh, when any of the rules, things are raised, and they come up from all over the place, and sometimes they'll just crop up, and we'll, Rick and I will just discuss them, and then we'll just put ones aside just to see... Um If anybody else comes up, or if it's just because I've I play with a few particularly, um uh, how should we say, uh rules aware players. That's, what that is. <laughs> that's how Kevin nice, describes n- n- me. Nice way the of time. putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Except he usually calls me a power gaming douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: but is he wrong? No, oh, he's not. <laughs>
4: But uh, yeah, so we'll so we'll think about it, and mull over it, and just and we'll try out various of the issues that come up. So there's every time we we have a, an amendment, there's a, there's a lot of playtesting which actually goes into them. Um, oh yeah, which works, and I think it's really great that Warlord are actually quite happy with us um, publishing these free rules amendments. That's really helped keep the rules alive, I think. It has.
1: It actually It's, it's, it's important to get amendments right because the worst thing that can happen is when as a rules writer you think you've written something's perfect so your child is totally entirely, entirely perfect and somebody points out there's a mistake or something's exploitable or was plain wrong and it's very easy to panic and go oh my god what horrible blemish is this let's put it up. <laughs> uh, and just publish something that is a, a patch rule or something without yeah. necessarily following through the implications um, and it's, the best thing is just to sort of step back and go, yeah, okay. Let's just take that on board and let's think about it. Yeah, yeah. So feedback's great, but sometimes you don't want to react to it quickly. You have to go, whoa, let's let's, let's have a look, because sometimes the cure uh, cure can be worse than the uh, the problem itself. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, something something we we find, for example, is that some that some players, for example, made made a few comments. Um, about a particular type of conflict always going one particular way and always coming up a problem and and rick and i couldn't work out head nor tail why it was always a problem and why people were always getting bogged down and it turned out that either they weren't using much terrain at all so everybody's running around in the open and just saying you know shoot me shoot me shoot me or, or they're just not actually using any of the scenarios or any of the objective-based scenarios. So they're just using a shoot 'em up game, yeah. And you know, if you look actually in the core rules, uh, Rick originally wrote in there, you know, this this could get quite boring if you just use this one scenario all the time. Really yeah. do, you know, it's Antares is a narrative game, so it's, it's stuff like that you've always got to check up on.
1: Yeah, you never you never know what other people are doing, but you can't stand over their shoulder and watch them. No. So sometimes they can be making a fundamental mistake. But they don't know they're making that mistake. So all the feedback you're getting isn't really valid, but you have no way of checking it. Mm. Um, so you, have, you do have to take these things uh, with a pinch of salt sometimes. Well, yeah, I, I've
0: definitely have <laughs> boosted my terrain as far as uh, Antares goes. Of course, I only have one type. Um, I actually finally got some Boromite uh, buildings from Sarissa. Which- okay. I'm going to put on, you know, um, you know, bases and things like that and use them. But I'm also I'm (laughs) making a mouth uh, or head of a boromite in that's embedded in rock that they're mining out of. You know, I thought that was a wonderful idea. And I'm going to come up with some sort of rules for it. You know, they can go hide in the tunnel or something, you know.
4: Yeah. 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 I think okay. it's a great great idea, except for that poor Boromite in the rock. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, it's very large, Boromite. It's uh, you know, the cool cat supreme uh, that uh, grew to be 70 meters tall. There you go.
2: <laughs> and... <laughs> um, yeah, me and Kevin have... Uh, actually, we, we've adopted this rule to every single war game that we play, um, oh, is cool. that we we don't do the setup where like you place a piece of terrain, I place a piece of terrain. We set up the table beforehand and we make it mirrored. So yeah. every deployment zone kind of has the same stuff and it's just designed to be fun and look pretty on the table. And then we play from that. Cause otherwise uh, we always feel like, you know, we're, we're getting these boards that don't look natural or don't look. Yeah. Well, you end up with like a building and then Sergey's
6: like, screw you and put some marsh next to it and then i'm like over here and he's like screw you and put some marsh next to it (laughs) we're we're fighting over a battlefield where some weird hermit is like living out in the middle of this terrible spot that it would be horrible (laughs) to get around and it's just weird yeah so we've all and then is, i mean it really lends well to having a decent amount of terrain on the field so it's it's cool to be able to thematically design a battlefield rather than because you can use that back-and-forth rule, and that's a part of the tactics, of course. But at the same time, it, you know, it's just I find it more fun that way.
2: Mm-hmm. We like a narrative board. A competitive game and a narrative board.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, um, I, th- I think actually building this, the terrain and the uh, uh, the scene you're going to play over, it's almost like the, the key thing in any war game. It's much mm. more – It's why I hate to see those games where you've just got, you know – there's somebody's plunked down uh, the uh, the building, somebody's plunked down the marsh next to it. I'm looking at you, Sergi. Uh, <laughs> and some, some is looking, uh, you yeah, know, plunked down another thing. It's, it's just, they it just look it's, it's been scattered all over randomly rather yeah. than it actually being a place that could have existed.
4: Um, mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, I, and I'm quite lucky, really, in that most the people, you know, all the people I play are um, really great scenic modelers. Uh, me not so much, but I've got a fairly uh, a fairly good setup. Um, but um, you know, I think the, the the people I play they put more into the look of the tables than they do uh, the game, the actual gameplay. In many ways. Uh,
5: oh yeah. Hmm. I think I'm, that's important.
1: Yeah. It helps with your immersion.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: That's we well, yeah. thing.
0: We, we, not Jay and I have had a, a the ramble on this one time is the story and the immersion into the game. And it's important to a point. Uh, if you take too much time, like you were saying, worrying about what the terrain looks like on the table, you're not so much worrying about the gameplay or the game you're playing. Um, so we I take it to a point where I create around 10 pieces You know, one's got to be something rock. One's got to be something water and the rest can be whatever. And I like those narrative pieces that, okay, I, I, you remember, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I I created, I 3d printed these big Lotus looking scary plants. And then I painted them up and put them in a water piece. And, you know, it's a narrative terrain. I think I have it right here. I can show it to you guys.
3: Yeah. You get too close to it. You have to roll dice to see if you get eaten.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. It. that's it. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, it's a simple rule, a simple rule. I just said, okay, <laughs> these these are man or other eating plants that just, uh, you know, gobble up organic or metal or anything. It doesn't matter. And they're sitting in a little pond. It's actually buried in my, underneath my table right now. I, I should have grabbed it out, but uh, no mind. simple rule. Well, you know, yeah, if yeah. you roll one, one to five, you know, uh, nothing happens. You it's, that,
1: it's that classic sort of almost a Star Trek or um, a voice to the Bottom of the Sea kind of scenario, is not it? if you go too too near the that that strange looking plant, it's going to squirt you with something unpleasant, which will dissolve you, <laughs> take your brain over, or something, send you to yep. sleep.
0: Well, I I, t- I have so many Concord because I bought like four starter sets when this first came out, thinking, oh, hey, you know, I I need four because that's going to be enough miniatures to do this. Well,
5: <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, I had enough for probably about 10 people to play, but I took some of the Concord and I put them in little messed up positions, some green stuff. And uh, you, all you can see is two feet coming out of the center center plant and uh, that terrain piece of Concord legs. And then,
5: awesome.
0: <laughs> and then there's some Algern legs coming out, or, uh, he's He's got his hand straight up, the Algern hand straight up like, help me, you know, in another one. So, you know, it's it, mine's very story for sure.
6: I'm absolutely going to unabashedly copy you. (laughs) That's a great idea. I just thought about it. I was like, that hand is perfect.
0: (laughs) Kevin, I'll even send you a picture of it, man. So you can kind of get an idea. And it's just a it's just a oh sorry. No, you're good. It's just a big piece of MDF and you put that out in the middle and it's orange blossoms and these big giant orange blossoms, and you see these two little guys. (laughs) <laughs> one of them saying help
5: <laughs> you know
6: no i've been designing um me and sergey's uh setting the the arboreal moon of omega viridi i've been i love terrain so much that i i kind of uh, have been trying to expand on the list of terrain in the core rulebook um and then i'm trying to also create a random generator i love Necromundo, rick best game ever <laughs> but uh a lot of my ideas came from really of, uh... <laughs> it's fantastic That's, um yeah me and
2: kevin play so much in everyone. <laughs> i love it
6: um but I, i'm trying to make like a random generated role for each basic area train. like if you got a forest but then it might contain you know such and such poison plant or i, think I the chamele- chameleon ferns so it's harder to see your troop, but like just a bunch of stuff like that because i love yeah. that aspect of terrain
1: yeah i think i did go a bit overboard when i did the terrain originally in the uh, uh, Antares. i don't um, think so at
2: all yeah. I, I love the terrain in Antares. <laughs> yeah that's,
5: oh, the,
4: that's that's the thing that's the feedback we've got there you've got people who sit there and say you went overboard but you've got an, another load of people who say oh yeah but you've got so much different terrain it's superb mm-hmm. and that's something we had to bear in mind of course when doing version two is to try and cope with both sets of yeah, uh, yeah. opinions but well we
1: just represented it didn't we we ended up pre- presenting a more um, uh, accessible version throughout yeah. the core rules and mm-hmm. then putting all the uh, uh, but all the detail back in in, in, a, in a separate section. yeah so you've kind of got both. You, you've got, you, you can play a slightly more accessible version of the game with the core, tr- with the core uh, terrain types. and you know, Or just go me, completely mad.
0: Brings me to uh, Ruben here. He says, Tim, Rick, please let us know something about Atari 2nd Edition. Oh, I just, ha-
1: just have. I just <laughs> have. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: oh man uh great answer it's the people i think that was a reference to what we were talking uh mini warmout says when is the release of sword and cypher book i don't know what that's
1: i don't know what that
4: is that's a another piece of fiction that i am going through at the moment uh brandon sent it over to me brandon from z sent it over to me to have a look through and i have gone through it and made a whole load of comments and it's now being rewritten and it will be represented to me to go through and comment on again to say either, yes, this is Antares or what universe is this in? That sort of stuff. So, uh,
0: <laughs> and I so believe he
4: did. It's <laughs> being it's underway at the moment is uh, the main thing we can say. There's a couple of other books, I think, in the line as well. One of them already re- read through right. by Mark DeSantis, which is a very Concordy, y Nanosphory, Nanosphory, one. Um, which I was quite impressed with in terms of actually feeling vaguely Antarian, um, and we'll see what the rest happens. See what uh, the rest happens. But for now, it's it. it they're being edited, being read.
0: Excellent. Uh, Didge says back to Gar the transport
4: dropper this year. Uh, no, nope. never. I think. No, okay. yeah, no sign of it. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs>
6: it's a thing of nightmares. I can only imagine. Literally, it, it is literally very you know, strong. Able to drop someone like what is it, like more than halfway along it, the table?
2: It has a 35-inch turn one charge range. Oh my god. Nope.
6: Yep. Yeah, I don't want that. No. Wait, what? <laughs> I like to play three boards. So
2: yeah, so if you amplify it, it, it advances <laughs> three times, which gives you 15 inches. Then you have an amped uh GAR assault troop inside of it. Uh, Which then runs twice. So it advances 15, then runs 20, and uh, uh, shoots you three times. So you put three pins on something and charge them from 35 inches away.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. was it? What was it? Not Jay was saying (laughs) about you being (laughs) a (laughs) dude. A rules Who's exploiting that? type. No, oh, yeah. yeah, that that, yeah. that would be me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we we came up with the drop because there was a need for a um a, a, a way of actually deploying from uh, from orbit, but um, the uh, studio kind of missed their slot with it, and they've shown no inclination to get back to it. I think it gave them real problems in design. They they were trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, uh, uh, and uh, in the end, we looked at it and we thought, you know, this is going to be really expensive to make uh difficult time consuming to make and actually we'd soon have other things yeah yeah
4: and uh, as you've pointed out it's actually quite liable to be easily um exploited exploit as, well. as well yeah uh, which <laughs> if can, will.
2: Uh, yeah that's what i like about game. Warga- i like i like the thought experiment of of creating lists you know i i came from <laughs> from war game uh, to war gaming from like being a a trading card player, so that's like mm-hmm. you know, I was yeah. a, I was a deck builder,
1: so now I'm a list builder. You're, you're <laughs> just digging, you're just digging yourself into a hole here. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, no,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there wasn't there was something I didn't like about you, Sergey. <laughs>
6: <laughs> if there's if if the situation is, it's like Sergey. Now, your unit can run out from cover where it's perfectly safe and have a battle to the death, or you can go down and win the game. And he's like. <clears throat> uh I'm going down down. Down. (laughs) every time. Of
2: course I am. (laughs) No I will I will will eat the dirt and take that win with shame.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now is the command crawler the black horse of death or the bombardment crawler?
2: Can they be twin black horses?
4: I, I don't even
1: understand. I don't understand the question. <laughs>
4: it, it, this, the uh, this the combination. It's a combination. That's the real black horse of death, mm. not one the or two. Time, at least. <laughs> It's
1: the black horse of death reference. I don't get.
4: <laughs> it's from our battle reports,
2: Rick. Uh, I oh, have, is it? Okay,
1: sorry. BTS uh, screaming it at me.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's the black horse. Yeah,
2: of yeah I ran I ran a list with, on our first twelve hundred and fifty point game, which we we shouldn't have chosen capture the drone as the scenario because we didn't get right. to shoot each other at all. But uh, I ran a list <laughs> that had two separate command crawlers and also bombardment crawler because I I just wanted to see how many vehicles I could fit into a list, and it was a lot apparently. Uh, and yeah, it was. It was insane.
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny because you don't look evil. <laughs> right? Uh, what? Have you not out.
3: seen his hair?
1: Oh, <laughs> hair
2: he's yeah. got this funny cap on. I can't tell what's going on. <laughs> what can I, I love Gorilla Glue. It's the best glue brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he has these two horns underneath. That's why
4: it's. Yeah, so- exactly. Yeah, <laughs>
0: So, uh, will there be a city fight expansion? Most of our clubs' sci-fi terrain is small house and such.
4: The um, closest thing we've got to city fight expansion is Drone Scourge, mm-hmm. uh, but that was that was mm-hmm. built for fighting inside spaceships or the huge arcologies, which are you know, quite common and throughout and around Antarian space. Uh, in terms of fighting through little buildings and that sort of stuff, no, there's there's no book. Uh, and then the like demolisher rule came in. I think it's
0: it's our destruction rule. It's the scourge, yeah, it's breaching.
1: Breaching. Breaching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To be fair, drone, drone scourge has got a lot of the rules in that you would use in in, in that kind of situation, sort of inter urban combat or a, yeah. fighting within a building, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, get that and be imaginative, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, breaching weapons are very cool.
0: I've almost finished this group. Sitting here. Right. is that, that, that it? Have
4: we finished,
0: Oh, maybe. I think. Is there anything? Any other questions you have, Nache? Being a noob about the <laughs> car. No. Because
3: I, I I, 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 I think I definitely want to. Uh, um. If I'm fighting them with uh, what I think I'm going to do with my freeborn is have my freeborn spread out and shoot the hell out of them. Yeah.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> X launchers actually do pretty. Uh, their micro X launchers actually do pretty good against the Gar, just because it produces so many hits. Eventually, you're gonna roll a ten.
5: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, Rick, is there anything you would like to add about the Gar, or, or anything you got going on?
1: Oh, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything particularly. Um, the I uh, talk. Uh, uh, it's it. It's kind of one of my favorite bits. Of Antori's Gar. I think the other one's Boromites, actually, which you were talking about earlier. Um, I, mean, I think. Oddly enough, because, you know, when I started writing this game, it was all about Concord and Isaurians. And it was about that relationship between the two.
5: <laughs> uh,
1: but what I found is, as we've been writing, other things take over. So the Freeborn become more of an expression of exploring the universe because they are um, they are neutral mm. and they can go anywhere and do anything. Uh, and they've got a slightly more adventurous character. And the Gar of Gar have just developed a character of their own as we've gone along. Yeah. Um, it's been, it should have been quite fun, hasn't it? I mean, uh, um, yeah,
0: it's been fun every time a book they, comes out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I might have done more, but I, I think uh, Warlord have got distracted. They're very, um, they're very much into anything that floats at the moment. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed, yeah, you know. <laughs> very it's, true. Uh, I, I could imagine why. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I it's very, it's very odd, uh, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, there you go. It's very, odd. Yeah. it is strange. <laughs> Can, can I well, mean, awesome. Yeah. Rick, I'd I mean, love for you to come back and talk more Antares if you'd like. Yeah, I'll have sometime. to get a camera. I'll have to get a camera and a haircut and put some clothes on.
2: <laughs> it's like, you don't need to get a haircut, dude. That's why I'm wearing the hat, man. I haven't gotten a haircut since quarantine See? began. See, I told you.
3: <laughs> look, look at that.
2: Oh my God, he's evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: Just it semi well underneath
2: a hat. Yeah, exactly. I can go super sane if I need to. <laughs> I
6: say, uh, I speak for me and Sergey, Rick. I, I, I say, and and Tim. Really, it's like thank you guys so much. Uh, it's it's such an enjoyable game. And um, wow. when we were itching to play, I, I say that hard science fiction uh, thematic nature to it really drew us in. And I don't know. Over the last two years, it's been a fantastic game. So keep yeah. up the good work.
2: Yeah, I mean shit, you guys pretty much have given us our <laughs> our side gig. We, we yeah. wouldn't be able to make battle reports if you think make such an awesome game. So
1: yeah, thanks guys. Oh well, no, you're welcome. It's it's, it's great fun being able to do something like that, and I wouldn't say make a living at it, but uh, at least <laughs> eat, uh, scratch an itch. <laughs> <laughs> you no,
0: know, and it doesn't it doesn't matter what game I, I I'll you know get a little tired of get like, a little bored with Antares or something or painting Antares and playing the game and stuff, and not Jay will contest this. I always go back to this game. I always come right back around to it. You know, I would paint some fantasy stuff, play a couple of games of fantasy, and then go, you know what? I feel like
4: playing Antares. You yeah. Know, it, but it, for some reason,
0: so it always goes back to that.
4: Rich. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice that a play, the, the gameplay actually um, sort of engages anyone in that way. So that's one of, one of the things that's we're really here for. As Rick said, it's great fun to actually produce things which people enjoy. It is,
1: yeah. And and when it comes down to it, I mean, the core system behind Antares, uh, the dice draw system, is something that um, Alessio came up with. So I just yeah. ripped it off, really. You know, <laughs> so we should, so we should be thanking <laughs> him. Thanks, Alessio. Thanks, Thanks Alessio. Thank you. Uh, there, <laughs> there
0: you go. And thank you, Rick, for the hard swing uh, in the rules. Hope <laughs> oh, we got one more. If you guys don't care. So if I got this right, there is. It- is not a new rule book in the works. Uh, I've been holding off on get to getting Antares uh, as I kept hearing rumors of the new edition.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, I would say that uh, the uh, rule book is um, insufficiently expensive to put you off buying it anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we've been me and Tim have been working on a second edition for uh, a good while now. Uh, but we, it's not on the schedule to be. At least I'm not aware that it's on the schedule to be released. Uh, Warlord have had it on the schedule several times, but they keep putting it back in order to do more games about things that float. (laughs) um,
3: Maybe you need to start making the ports of Antares.
1: I think it's it's the only way. It's the only way we're actually going to get it out. A a, a guard crabbing (laughs) vessel?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) To
3: To be honest, guys, I would really, really like to see a... Starship game with all of the different, oh, you know, play st- that. Starships of all of the that's, different yeah, uh, various well, well, factions.
1: Funny, funny you should say that. You'll have to get Tim back and have him talk to you about his uh, plans to do a Starship game <laughs> for Antares.
2: Oh my god, yeah. I would play that in the heart. We'll
3: absolutely playtest yeah. to death for you.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. we'll
3: yeah.
2: feature that on the channel like yeah. every day. <laughs> they are oh
1: my, oh, the, oh my thing. I really like Spaceship games. I've just bought um, Red Alert. Uh, the uh, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Borg. Uh, mm-hmm. and, oh, uh,
3: if, if, if it's, uh, if it's a, uh, commanding colors game, my brother's got it. So yeah. we've been playing it quite a bit also.
0: Yeah. And the questions are coming now, <laughs> 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 right? Yeah, for- Will the old expansions be compatible with the upcoming edition?
1: Uh, yes, I think that's the case. Uh, we, we were quite careful about that. um, I think some of the new arm the new, new armulus slightly different format and might not quite be uh, compatible with the existing army lists, but uh,
4: Yeah, all the background, all the background's yeah. certainly compatible in the new new edition. And to be honest, most a lot of the rules are compatible with the new edition as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but
1: that's... as I say, the new editions, it, it, there's no plan for it to be out this year, is there? No, and I'm and, and I'm not aware that it's on the schedule for next year, which it would be if it was if it's going to be released
4: the it's studio them, haven't
1: started work on it yet it's all
0: them damn boats it's
1: yeah. all them damn boats it's, <laughs> it, the, the uh i mean me and me and tim have been working on it and we've got the manuscript pretty much polished up yeah uh there's not you know and it's been that way for a good while isn't it so mm. it, it,
4: yeah it's the coronavirus really i have to say here i know and i know it sounds like a standard, solution, but standard excuse but the coronavirus. Really scuppered the de- release.
1: Scuppered her boats to sea. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: it it just made so many put so many obstacles in the way.
1: Yeah. Um, the, well, the, stu- the studio has not worked at all. They've been furloughed Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. I'm
4: still furloughed at the moment. So, I say I work in the
6: restaurant industry,
1: so I I feel
6: your pain. It is. It is. Yeah. It affects many, many aspects of business.
4: Yep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we haven't, you know, and I think Warlords weathered the lo- the um, lockdown quite well because, well, the reason why Games Workshop is doing so well at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have said, well, it gives me a chance to paint up an army. Oh, yep. I need some more. Um, <laughs> so I think yeah. we've done quite well from that perspective. But obviously there's still loads of retailers who... We don't know how they're going to survive. The, the poor blighters have, I think, probably struggled a bit during the lockdown. So we have to see what happens before we go anywhere else, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm.
1: It all makes it all a bit unpredictable, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think the, the long and the short of this is uh, I wouldn't wait for the second edition. It should No. Be... <laughs> no. It's well <laughs> worth getting the existing one because you will have the opportunity to play quite a bit before, mm-hmm. the, before yeah. the second edition comes out
2: if you yeah. are getting that rulebook I would definitely recommend getting the uh, uh Strike on Kara 9 uh, and buying it from Warlords website because we just talked to Warlords about this and if you buy it from their website it's very likely that it will come with the hardback rulebook mm-hmm. so you're paying 50 bucks for like 150 bucks worth of stuff and use our affiliate link over <laughs> on our channel <laughs> so oh the tabletop God. Warlords get a small commission
1: <laughs> yay I like this. Uh.
0: (laughs) We had a viewer that uh, got one of the Strike and Car Nines with uh, the old small rule book. So, that's I think that's where they came from. So,
6: yeah, they said something along the lines of I think they just stopped putting the the small, they didn't have the paperback. So, they just were like, throw in the hardback.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, So if you order it, so if you're buying it from like a, a, a brick and mortar store. Weigh it in your hands (laughs) Uh, because it might be the old edition to support local. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Support your, your FLG.
0: That, 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 that big rule book, I have two or three of them and I will tell you that I can't find the other two. I've got the one. (laughs) There's so much fluff in there. There's so much background in there alone that it'd be worth
4: it. So,
1: yeah, oh, there's there's sure. an awful lot of
4: background in it. And we've we've tried to keep a fair amount of background even in the second edition as well. and, and Rick's expanded some of the um the, back, <laughs> the, background, the timeline as well. Um <laughs> uh, but it's 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 well worth I keep keep t- telling anybody who wants to write for Antares to just read the rule book. Right. Uh, yeah. That's-
2: <laughs> I, I do that before every episode. I, re- I I reread all the all the fluff for the faction that we're about to talk about, so I don't say something stupid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. My problem is because I, I remember all the versions of the fluff that I, I I kind of toyed with putting in, but didn't quite put in. And as <laughs> always with these things,
5: yeah.
0: Well, Rick, thank you so much. For no, sir, you're, very you're very
1: welcome. You're very welcome.
0: Pre- always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend, Tim as well, sir. Uh, keep writing. It, uh, what you write is amazing. Your stories, uh, the Drone Scourge story, I just reread that to the, this morning because I was just getting the rule books out trying to find the Gar stuff and <clears throat> I just reread it and and it's totally brilliant. It's wonderful writing. It's good background material. Sergey, Kevin, thanks guys. Always a pleasure for you guys being on. Nachi, of thanks course. Thanks for having
2: us on. It's a pleasure.
0: Doob. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Jay, thanks, man, for joining me as well. And thank you guys for oh, listening. We got 17 people viewing right now and watching right now. So thank you guys uh, for sure for all the questions that you've put in there for, for Rick picking his brain. And we'll have Rick on back back on sometime and we'll talk about, mm,
4: I don't know, whatever Rick wants to talk about.
5: <laughs>
0: you know, I'll let him pick. We'll let him choose.
4: <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, no, Now we're in trouble. It's, it's going to be uh, baby um, prawns or something.
1: Prawns? <laughs> <laughs> cherry shrimp yes yeah, oh, cool. that they called? Yeah. yeah, cherry shrimp <laughs> We've got a lot of those
0: Well, anyway guys, as I always say, last but not least From me to you Ta-ta! And we will catch you in our next, next, next Antares Ventures podcast